0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, another week, another opportunity to beat an old playoff foe. 49ers, Packers, it's an NFC divisional matchup. And with me this week, feeling the karma of ridiculing Richard Sherman's Achilles, it's David Newman. How dare you? Tell them all about it. How fucking dare you?
1: Tell him all Uh, about it. So you remember that thing where I decided that I was going to run all the time? Yep. Well then... I got hurt. And now I can't run at all. Yep. And uh, that's that's the super short version. Yeah. Just like la- about a week ago now. Uh, last last Friday kind of fe- started feeling a little funny on the Ach- uh, the Achilles like during the end of the run and uh, it did not get better. It has not gotten better since that point. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: Loving. Yeah, it. Yeah. You you and me are in sync, though, in some way, shape or form, though, because I, uh, I think it's a shin splint. And I don't know if it's shin splints or shin splint. It's only on my right leg. And so I think that you have
1: multiple splints on that one leg.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what constitutes a splint. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's on the within side. So I don't know. So I think, I think I'm going to jump on the rower for a couple days this week before doing the long run. But four weeks till marathon, roughly. Dude, uh, I'm, I'm
1: terrified. Uh, yeah, I, I right now, like I tried to give it a go on Wednesday and didn't happen couldn't make it like could feel it right away and i was like all right let's see if it just needs to get warmed up and you know kind of loosen up start to feel better couldn't even get a half mile in it was over yeah and so now i'm like yeah looking at this marathon that i've been planning to run for god like six months now and uh and having some serious doubts as to whether
0: that's gonna happen so We'll I think the takeaway here is that we can blame running for lots of things because we can also blame running for not having a reaction pod immediately after the game on Saturday, for two reasons. One, the game's gonna be kind of late, but less so than that because I think it's actually a, a fairly early kickoff, all things considered, for an evening game. But so the, it's
1: like seven o'clock. That's like that's late enough, I guess. Time.
0: Yeah. The the important thing, though, is that David's going to be potentially running a half marathon on Sunday as long as his leg allows. No,
1: that's not. I mean, it's really about the time now. Now it's just I'm not willing to stay up late <laughs> and do a podcast after that game. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we have we have yet to talk about this. I'm thinking, you know, maybe a little Sunday morning with coffee pod. Uh, we'll oh, we'll see how it. it goes, though.
0: Yeah, I'm into it. I love coffee. Coffee is delicious. I'm going to yeah. be trying to do uh, another round of the espresso shots. Now that I have a grinder that can actually grind fine enough for espresso and I've got my leveler, I've got a new tamper, I've got things to make me feel, I've got all the tools now. So now there's no excuse when the espresso is shitty.
1: It's my fault. You listen to the opening three minutes of this podcast, you have no idea there's a playoff game about to happen.
0: No, not at all. None whatsoever. Just how I like it. It's the better rivals way. We're so relaxed about this, about this game because it's just going to be a walk in the park. I mean, they are bad. The, the Packers are bad in all the right ways. Uh, Wait, that's, that was that, last week. Uh, yeah. And this is another week where it's the same damn thing. Because guess what? The Packers, not good against the run. And that's the path to, to victory for the 49ers at this point. This is, we're now so far into the season. This is, you know, week uh, 19 of how are the Niners going to win this game? It's pretty easy. You run the ball, run the ball effectively, and Are the Packers crappy defending the run? And in this case, the answer happens to be yes. Uh, Pod research process. Behind the scenes look here. Look
1: at team, step one, look at team that they are playing. Look at opponent. Step two, go and look at how good that team is running the ball. Step three, here we are. Profit. That's it. That's the full research process.
0: The Packers are 29th in EPA per play allowed and 30th in EPA success rate. They are bad in all the right ways for the 49ers. And and this is another game where the Niners are going to want to impose their will and impose their identity on the Packers. They did it early with some constraint plays against the Cowboys, which I thought were pretty fun. The, The first play was a split zone play where it looks like you're tossing the ball. So it looks like you're going to try to get outside wide and instead what the Niners are doing is they're still kind of hitting the backside of a zone play, but because they have that toss action, it starts to get the linebackers to over pursue because they see the toss action when, you know, they see everyone step to the right. Everyone flows super hard. Every indication they're getting is that this play is going to go far right. And it's really designed to hit kind of in the middle or the backside and the play goes for nine yards. I mean, they're going to throw everything they can at the Packers and they should. Uh, because this is a Packers team that is susceptible to the run. And that's what the Niners have been doing really, really well over these last, you know, seven or so games of the season.
1: Right. I think, uh, I mean, it's the, the formula is clear at this point, right? I mean, I think we we all kind of know what to expect from this team offensively they're going to stick with the run game until they absolutely cannot. And even when you think that they might've hit the point when there's like, clearly they can't rely on the run anymore. They probably still have a little bit more to go before they decide to give up on it. Like it, it just is, is who they are and it's what they're going to gonna go out and do. And so, yeah, I think when you look at the Packers defensively and, and what they might do to stop that, I thought it was interesting in in looking at kind of their run defense splits, right? So overall, like we mentioned generally not good. It's it's usually or down at the bottom of the league in terms of most of their run defense stats. Um, But it was interesting that they were actually a better team stopping the run when they went to open coverage looks, right? So usually you would expect when uh, the teams go closed, meaning they only have a, a single high safety in the middle of the field, that usually drops an extra man down into the box and you get those extra bodies down there. And then, you know, you're therefore better against the run, right? You've got more guys that are up close to the line of scrimmage to, to be able to stop it. Um, but that hasn't been the case for them. They actually do a little bit better when they go to more to the high looks. They go to the quarters type stuff, especially. Uh, that is kind of where they've had a little bit more success. And I think when you look at the 49ers on the flip side of that, they are actually better when teams stack the box, right? I think they... they are better when they are in kind of their condensed formations, their 21 personnel stuff, right? That's kind of where they run the ball the best, and that draws extra guys into the box there. And so I think that part is interesting because it's not the the usual sort of matchup that you would see. Normally you would expect when teams, like we talked about with the Rams, right? When they sit in that too high shell, they just kind of get gashed and, and give up all of these extra uh, yards against the
0: run because they're kind of giving that up by alignment, right? Yeah, and when you look at the the splits for the Packers, it's not like they're going to favor one over the other. They've been pretty balanced over the course of the year. Over the course of the year, they've been out 55% single high look and 45% split safety look. Um, and, and against the Niners in week three, it was more of a 50-50 mix. So if they do start to overplay and start to try to stack the box some more, that might actually play right into the 49ers' hands based on what they do well, based on what the Packers haven't done well and and then when you think about them stacking the box if the Niners do end up having to throw the ball that's not really an area where Jimmy Garoppolo poses you know kind of an advantage for the 49ers he's been middle of the pack throwing against boxes with eight or more people Um, but it is something that he especially lately has shown that he can begin to to pick apart especially against the Rams he had some really good throws on um, kind of cover one robber when you've got that single coverage over to the to the Debo side really on those glance routes but this is a game where on offense, the 49ers do have an opportunity to impose their will. They do have an opportunity to really do what they want to do well.
1: Right. And Yeah. I think from Jimmy's side of things, right? Like they see those single high looks so often and the extra guys in the box so often like what Jimmy is against that is just what Jimmy is, right? It's just, he's just kind of in the middle of the pack there. Sometimes uh, things are going to be better than others, but uh, yeah, I think definitely, even though this is a, you know, a talented Packers defense. I think they have like some star players. They're kind of like the the Cowboys in some ways, right? Where they've got some bigger names there uh, that that you can kind of recognize on that side. Yeah, I I think the matchup is good, right? I think anytime that it looks like the 49ers can go out there and be successful rushing the ball and and be able to kind of control the game, control the clock like they, they love to do, Um, that is a very good sign because that's kind of step one in, in terms of ensuring, uh, they have the best possible path to, to a
0: win. Yeah. And I mean, they, they really are starting to put together a lot of really varied looks in the run game. The, the play that, that we always see with Debo kind of running that wider, almost like arc run where it's just a handoff and he kind of goes around the quarterback. That's usually just an outside zone play. Sometimes it's a toss against the Cowboys. That was a pin and pull concept. Where you've got, or really, sorry, not a pin and pull, but mostly like a power concept where you get a pulling guard from one side of the center and then a pulling guard on the other side of the center. Um, And now it's more of a gap scheme. So you're still getting to the same kind of outside run, but now you're pulling players and you're giving defenses a different look. You're still getting to the things that your team likes to do well and the things that your team executes. You're just doing it in a bunch of different ways, even ways that were different than what the team started to ride at the end of the season, because now you've got enough, you know, enough tape on that teams know that it's coming. Well, now Shanahan's going to throw something else at them. I'm excited to see what that something else is, what that something else is going to be against the Packers.
1: Yeah. Hopefully it's not, I, it, I was, as I was kind of going back and looking It's uh, at, at some of the stuff from the game earlier this year, I remember that Jimmy threw that interception on, on basically the exact same concept and route that they hit Kittle with that big touchdown, uh, with in, in one of the previous matchups, right. Uh, went back to it, got picked this time. So hopefully they don't go back to the well in the run game either as as much, right. He needs, uh, yeah, maybe another additional layer, uh, in there and, and you know that he's going to have that stuff, right. Especially in big games like this. He's just, that's one of the things that he does, better than anybody else is just make sure that they've always got kind of another little wrinkle that builds on what they've been doing. That gives you something that's just a, a different enough that that you can't be fully prepared
0: for it. Now, if you're a Packers fan, you are excited that you get a couple of key pieces back on defense. Jair Alexander is coming back. Now he played against the Niners in week three. So the Niners aren't going to feel a difference there. It's not like they played against him uh, or they will be playing against him for the first time this year. He was still there when the Niners had to match up against them and they still were able to put up points against that defense. zadarius Smith, though, was not. And he is coming back. And he is a pass rusher that may give the Niners a problem if they get into a negative pass script. So the, the, the Packers are getting some reinforcements, but the Niners have to be encouraged. By how they handled the Cowboys pass rush because individual player-wise between Parsons, Gregory, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, they had some they had some horses. They had some people that, they, that could get after the passer and get after Jimmy Garoppolo, and it was effectively a non-issue against the Packers. So yes, definitely uh, good for the Packers if you're a Packers fan that they're getting that player back, but it's not necessarily a guarantee that just because you have good people on that defensive line that they can't be out-schemed um, or taken care of especially when the Niners are running the ball effectively
1: right yeah I mean I think the the performance they were able to put together against that Cowboys defensive line was was huge right I think that was certainly kind of a scary part going into that game and so yeah it makes you feel good because Zadarius Smith I mean I remember talking in the preview to the week three game when when he was out there it was like okay there's really no one left now like he was kind of the only guy that had been a consistent presence for them as as a pass rusher and so yeah even with him back in there sure that's gonna be better for for Green Bay than not having him available but you feel like they they can handle one rusher right there's things you can do if there's only really one guy that's scaring you even if they want to say put him away from Trent Williams right they're gonna put him on the opposite side or, or whatever you can chip him you can slide coverage that way all the things that happen to Nick Bosa every time that he's on the edge, right? So uh, all of those things are, are at their disposal there to be able to handle that kind of one guy. Yeah, I think that the time you worry about it is when suddenly you're down late, you're having to to throw. You don't really, uh you, you can't have all of the tools in your bag there that, that you can pull out, right? Because you have to be in more drop back situations, and and you're trying to get all five guys out into the route. And and so yeah, that's that situation hurts you a little bit, but. I think ultimately it seems like they're they're well prepared
0: to be able to handle that. Yeah, and it feels like where the the soft, squishy part of the Cowboys' defense was in the middle of that defensive line. It, it does, and the linebackers specifically. It does feel like for the Packers, it's going to be a little bit on the edges because uh, I think the the Niners had some trouble with uh, Kenny Clark in Week Three, and, and he's I mean he's a big guy, and he's he's pretty stout against the run, and I think that's going to be the key if you're going to find a place to pick at. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be along the interior of that defensive line. I think it might be near the edges. Uh, And if the Packers do the thing that they sometimes like to do, which is really line everyone up flat against that defensive line and have one middle linebacker, you basically need to break through one level Uh, and and you've got to, um, you've got the ability to get some really, really good yardage in the run game. I mean, if the Niners are able to execute and execute well, like their offense could really, really tilt this game in a way that just the matchup dictates. And 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 it's good. I mean, you have to feel good if you're a Niner looking at this matchup, thinking to yourself, yeah, like this, if they can do what they do well, okay. You know, there's still the other side of the ball, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But on offense, anyway, the Niners are primed to maybe do something.
1: And it's important they do because of that other side of the ball that we're going to get to. Yeah.
0: On defense, the 49ers will need to contend with the man himself throw Rogan sometimes known as toe Rogan sometimes known as Q his names may be ridiculous but his football is deadly and unfortunately you can't just punch him in the COVID toe and have and have that be that I he mean is, has anyone tried I, I mean look all I'm saying is just try it swipe oh I missed hit him in the toe he uh, Aaron Rodgers absolutely torched the 49ers deep in week three. In that game, half of Rogers throws were 10 or more yards beyond the line of scrimmage. His average depth of target was 11.7 yards. And if he sustained that for a full season, it would have led the league by a full yard and a half. Like he was hitting the team deep and, and it's how they amassed such a lead in that first half.
1: Yeah. I I think there were two parts of, of what they did in the passing game, right. That, that were interesting because yes, they were throwing the ball downfield a lot, but they weren't doing it on a lot of long developing plays. Right. So it it wasn't like they were taking the big play action shots, waiting for somebody on the deep post to, to break and, and throwing these like absolute bombs downfield. It was a lot of stuff, kind of like we talked about last week with the, the quick timing, right on the slot fade, like they went to that a good amount they they were getting the ball out of his hands quickly and just targeting downfield routes that you can throw kind of earlier right in in the down so uh yeah they they went to it uh, a lot they got the ball out of his hands quickly they went empty a ton like uh, i remember talking about that in in the post game right like that was their most used formation type essentially in that game especially late and kind of in the key situations right that whole Essentially, the the final drive that they went down there and, and got the game-winning field goal on was empty. It kind of seemed like every time they needed a big play, uh, that's kind of what they went to. And Rodgers was absolutely phenomenal when they did that. I mean, I, I remember his, his passing grade was like 90 plus. He barely had an incompletion when they went uh, in, in empty. And just overall, their offense was incredibly efficient. So yeah, it was, it was not only targeting downfield, but it was doing it quickly. And then it was mixing in enough of the other stuff. I mean, there were a ton of screens in there. I think they threw like seven screens, most of which were in the first half. Um, So yeah, it was just, you know, doing things to, to kind of try to help neutralize that pass rush, but not really give up your ability to, to still push the ball
0: downfield. Aaron Rodgers' average time to throw on all of his dropbacks in the game against the Niners was 2.17 seconds. Big Ben led the league at 2.26 seconds. He only threw the ball quicker one other week in the 2020-2021 season. That was a week eight against the Cardinals. You have to think that LaFleur and Rodgers have the pass rush in their mind, especially with how it's been performing as of late. And you got Nick Bosa, who was a full participant in practice on Thursday and looks to be on track to play. He is listed as questionable, but so was Woschnowski when he ended up being activated for the game after his concussion. So all signs point to Bosa playing. Warner, incidentally, also on track to play as well. But you've got Charles Mennehu, who is who had a monster game against the Cowboys, and who, when you look at it, if you take his pressure rate aggregate across both Houston and San Francisco, his win rate is like twenty percent which would be second highest on the team. It's even better than Arden Keyes. Arden Keyes' win rate is about 14%, 15%. So Charles Omenehu looks like a six-round steal at this point uh, because the Niners traded a six-round pick for him. Uh, he was originally a fifth-rounder. So it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> of
1: course, of course. Yeah, I, I think the the 49ers, too, are in a better position um, to like, they, they figured some things out as a pass rush, you know, that, that we were kind of really seeing uh, the first time heavily in this Green Bay game the first time, right? Because when they were in those empty sets, they were also doing the thing that we've just seen a ton now, right? Where it's it's they're taking two of those receivers, they're putting them on either side of the tackle of each tackle there, and they're chipping both the ends before they get out into the route, right? And, and they didn't really do too much in that game to be able to kind of get around that, right? It it really did kind of affect things and their ability to get after Rodgers. And now we've seen them, especially over the last few weeks, like, look they have a lot of answers for that right they they've got some stunts that work off of that like they're they're almost trying to entice it in in some situations where they they know that it's coming and they've got these stunts and these blitzes ready to go off of it and so i think that's going to be interesting right if the if the packers go out there and try to do a similar sort of thing i think that kind of plays more into the the fordners hands i mean obviously they, there could still be some throws Slot fades are tough, you know, to to get out because the, the, the ball is out so quickly um, that, that even if you get a clean rusher, right, he might not get there in time. And, and so those are going to be kind of tough to handle. But I think overall, yeah, the pass rush not only is playing very well lately, but is better prepared to handle
0: some of the things that, that they got thrown at him in this first matchup. Yeah, and the 49ers' secondary just looks different now. Like, that that's the thing that you have to be a bit heartened by if you're a Niners fan. You've got Emmanuel Mosley who's playing, and you've got Ambry Thomas who has been playing better over the last few games. How have they been doing? Like, they haven't, they've, they've kind of come up big in some key situations. I think both of them have an interception over the last few weeks. But just in terms of how they've been playing, is it, have they been playing better or. Is it just like they haven't been targeted all that much because Dallas decided that they didn't really want to throw to the edges and C D land right. doesn't exist, um, which is, you know, kind of its own problem, which we'll talk about here in a second. But, you know, have should 49ers fans actually be heartened by the play of these two corners over the last few weeks?
1: I think, you know, it's a... It's, uh... A little of both, right? I, I think, yes, they, they probably should be heartened a bit because, I mean, Mosley is is Ben who I think we've come to expect from him, right? He's solid, like a solid corner, not going to do many uh, spectacular things, but he's also not going to have, you know, many Josh Norman level plays. So uh, I think he's kind of been that same sort of presence. Ambry Thomas, I think it's a little bit tougher to, to say because on one hand, like he hasn't been really getting targeted, as much as you would think. Um, And so it's, it's been a little bit more difficult to kind of really judge what he's doing in some of those situations, but in the limited targets that he's seen, I think he's held up pretty well, right? It's, it's certainly a, a, an improvement from what we were seeing in those first few games. And so I think right now the 49ers have to feel as good about their secondary is, is they probably have all season, right? I I think like this is, there's still some issues and I still would be worried about, you know, if a team really decided to go and attack those guys on the outside, especially Ambry Thomas, right? It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that teams haven't gone after him more, um, especially once you get Mosley back into the picture, right? So I'd be a little concerned if, if Green Bay was like, yeah, we're just going to go at this guy and, and see what happens. Um, but I think inside, too, is, is something that we've seen, right? When they go to those empty sets, you're targeting, in most situations, the the slot guys, the guys that are further inside of the formation are usually going to be your primary targets when you go empty and that's when you get, you know, like K-1, if they're in uh, in man coverage, it's been a problem. He got hit in the first Green Bay game by a slot fade, right? And we saw it against Cooper last week. So those things, I think, are, are probably the the bigger concern right now.
0: Yeah, when you look at the, the 40-man secondary, on the course of the year, they are fourth best at contesting catches at just under 19%. Overall, that's pretty good. It means that they're in the right area most of the time, and that has to do a lot with how they play their zone and their zone defenses. I mean, this is basically four years of Robert Sala's system and D'Amico Ryans, who's now building a little bit on top of that, and he's throwing in some more man coverage looks. But this is still largely the same system. They predominantly play the same coverages, and they've got smart players on the back end. I think for the 49ers, this has got to be another split safety game where they're really stopping the run, with their defensive front seven. And they can do that. Their run defense has been incredible the last few games. It's been really, really good. And now when you have your full complement of linebackers, while uh, I think Fred Warner is dinged up, he is looking on track to play. It's still, I think, you know, Dre Greenlaw's juice wore off a little bit this last game, but he's still playing effectively. He didn't try to body slam anyone, uh, which is, you know, an improvement, but there's still time. He could body slam someone else. Um, but, but I do think that they're going to have to be able to try to defend the run with seven, which I think they're fully capable of doing and, and playing coverage against Aaron Rodgers so that they're not burned and not try to, you know, get cute and play a lot of man coverage, especially on third down.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the man coverage is the thing that, that scares me a little bit because I mean, on, on one hand, it's something that, you know, I think for a long time, right? It's something that we've been uh, wanting them to do a little bit more of, right? They, they were really hesitant to kind of go man in a lot of situations. But now with this the the personnel that they have, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? I, I think going more too high stuff uh, makes more sense for them because you get the safeties that can get in on the action and, and help out the corners a bit. And yeah, I think that it, not allowing any of these corners to be, you know, truly isolated as much as you can possibly manage it is is really going to be for the best. And yeah, when you go into to man coverage, especially because, you know, as we've talked about a bunch, the 49ers are not a team that hides their man coverage. Like it is clear it's coming. Like that nobody is is surprised when you're like, oh shit, you got man coverage on that play. It's just like no, we're going to line up and we're going to tell you what we're going to do. And and that's pretty much it. And we're just going to hope that we can get there, right? We can, that our pressure is going to be able to hold up. That's why they go to it, uh, you know, in, in those third down situations so much. And so I think, yeah, they're they're probably going to be better served limiting that uh, so that they don't isolate those
0: quarterbacks too much. Yeah. The one thing that makes Aaron Rodgers dangerous, I think, is that he hunts matchups unlike other quarterbacks in in the NFL. And that's what got the 49ers in week three. He, you know, he spread them out. He said, who am I picking on? And then he picked on him and he actually did it. Troy Aikman had a tweet that kind of made the rounds. I don't know if it was today or yesterday talking about how if, if he and Michael Irvin were playing and he saw the corner backed off that far off CeeDee Lamb that, that he would, you know, that, that Irvin basically would have had 10 catches before half because he would just say, you're giving him that much cushion. Cool. I'm just going to throw a hitch. I'm just going to throw a stop. I'm going to run the route tree and do that. And I'm going to pick on you until you stop it. And and I thought it was an interesting comment because I think it's kind of true that now I think offensive coordinators want you to play within their structure and play within their scheme. We know that from Shanahan. He wants you to just like, look, I, I drew up the play. It's kind of perfect. Go like it's like it's been drawn up and and do what I coach you to do. You even hear Jimmy Garoppolo saying at, th- at times, it seems like there's like a hint of derisiveness in there. That's like, you know, I, I do what I'm coached. You know, I, I kind of run through the play as it's supposed to be run. And and ultimately, you sometimes have to go to matchups though. And I think Aaron Rodgers knows that and he does it because that's why Devontae Adams is so targeted. That's what he did in week three against the 49ers. He is going to pick those matchups. And and so the Niners have to basically protect themselves so that if he does try to pick on them, they have some kind of an answer. And I don't think that you can do that with man coverage.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did it uh, to some extent, you know, in that first one with, with Lenore when he had to come in there, right? And And so once he was uh kind of in the slot a little bit once uh kwan went out, like he went after him, got a penalty on a slot fade, and uh you know obviously uh toward the end of the game, lenore was uh kind of out of position on coverage that that ultimately allowed Adams to get the catch that put him in field goal range and and lost it for him right so Yeah, I think he will absolutely go after guys. And I think that's the part, right, especially if you're going man coverage, because it's a a little bit harder, you know, if you're playing uh, some sort of two high look and, and the 49ers will play like a lot of cover six, right? So if you're getting a safety over the top of Ambry Thomas every time, like, it's a little more difficult to say that I'm just going to pick on you specifically, right? You still kind of can with the, if, if you've got the right concepts, if you're, you know, uh, comfortable with what coverage they're, they're going to be bringing, but certainly not as easy as if you're playing cover one and you're just like, okay, let me, let me go at this rookie corner who hasn't really been tested the last few weeks. And let's like, see if he's up to it. You know, And I think that Rogers is definitely a quarterback that
0: will, will do that. Uh, Devonte Adams is the fourth most targeted receiver as a percentage of routes run against Cover One. Like when he sees Cover One, he's going to go to Devonte Adams. And why shouldn't he? Exactly. Why yep. shouldn't he? Uh, so, how do the 49ers win this game? I mean, this is going to be a game that's set up for the 49ers to be who they are. Like just be you, man. Just live free. Be you. Run the ball. Run the ball effectively. Avoid a negative game script. Have an answer for empty. Stay away from man. Get to Rodgers with your front four. Play your stunt game. Run that three by one, right? Make sure that you can protect Bosa from getting chipped. Run him in the middle of the field, just like you did on that opening third down against the Cowboys. Make it happen, and then find. just never go full Norman. If Norman doesn't see the field, special teams or otherwise, right. and if other corners don't emulate any kind of Norman whatsoever, you put that all together, the Niners have a clear path to victory.
1: Like at least three of those bullet points were on, you know, Shanahan's uh, slideshow presentation at like the start of the season when everybody gets to camp. And like, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to run the ball. We're going to avoid negative game scripts. We're going to rush the passer with four. Like, that's, that's right. That's just what they want to do. Uh, and, And I think, yeah, I mean, even, you know, the previous Packers game. They they showed a little bit. And there's been, you know, we, we get games here and there where they, they show some ability to come back, right? They were down seventeen nothing uh in in the first Green Bay game and, you know, obviously came back, took the lead, took the lead very late on uh in, in the game and just couldn't quite hang on. And so yeah, I, I think it's obviously not out of the question that they could go and, and do this something like that again, but it, it certainly is is going to be uh, a, a better path to a victory if they can check those boxes, right? If they can run the ball, if they stay ahead, uh, and, and they can get out to an early lead, right? I think it helps them. I know Shanahan likes to, and it makes a lot of sense, right, to to get the ball, to try to do the, like, as you call it, the Madden double up, right? Get the ball at half and, and get that late uh, first half possession there but it really does feel like it benefits them to get the ball first. And if they can get the ball first and go on one of those long drives and and run the ball and get in the end zone, like that just sets them up for the rest of the game so much better.
0: Yeah. I think their opening script is always going to be good just because of Shanahan's brilliance. I do think what Shanahan calls it, lapping the opponent. I call it the Madden double up. I do think allowing them to get two scores ahead because they're very, very good and very efficient at scoring in the end of half or end of game scenarios, specifically at the end of half. So, getting a field goal or a touchdown right before you go in half, getting the ball back, getting another field goal or another touchdown, I think it's getting that two score sprint in that third quarter that allows them to grind the rest of the game out. Um, so, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I do think that the offense is good enough that they can go down the field and score on that opening drive, but I, I hope they lose the toss. I hope they can defer. And try to get that Madden double up to to get some get it is, some but
1: it's it's like I guess on one hand, right, if you get that it's great, but usually when you're getting that, you're having to to get those two scores, you're really relying on them because you're down. You know what I mean? What the the worst situation is? They get up. You know, I don't know if they come back from another seventeen nothing lead, right? Like, again, they they've got it in them, but I, those aren't the odds that I want, right? I I don't want yeah. Aaron Rodgers going out there finding rhythm early and and them getting out to a lead, and now we've got to go back to relying, are we going to get good Jimmy again, right? Does, does, does he show up this week? Like, if that's a question I have to be asking uh, a, a lot during the
0: game, like, I'm not feeling super comfortable. We're thinking about it all wrong, really. I mean, you, you want the Packers to go ahead by 17 because then they run the ball. They run the ball, let the Niners score you know, 49ers the Niners.
1: still run the ball. Yeah. Then, no. Um,
0: yeah. Well, no, the Packers are going to run the ball against this defense. They're going to really put, put Aaron Rodgers on ice. And then the Niners are going to be like, okay, now it's just a, a one. Now it's basically penalty shootout. One drive, one drive. Let's see. Let's see who wins. You know, 40 chess, David, 40 chess. All right, let's get to the quick hits. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Who cares? out. Who cares? All mm-hmm. I'm saying is it'll be fine. They will, they have, they have bench warmers. They've got warmers If Colin Kaepernick can go in there sleeveless and dunk on that team in below freezing weather, the Niners will be fine. It'll be okay. It's not going to be. As long as it's not snowing, they'll be okay. They can wear tights. They can wear all the things. They'll be fine. Uh, The 49ers' assistance cabinet is getting raided once again. Assistant GM Adam Peters has now had two interviews with the New York Football Giants. Ron Carthen, the director of pro personnel, has also had an interview. Mike McDaniel, also interviewing for a head coaching gig. D'Amico Ryan's, incidentally, D'Amico Ryan's is considered as someone that Peters may have on a head coaching list if he ends up going to the New York Giants or wherever he goes somewhere else. And if that happens, all I'm Good saying luck. is Vic, Vic Fangio is available. Like that, that would be one heck of a get if the 49ers could get Fangio, I think Fangio might be tabbed to go to Vegas with Harbaugh, get the band back together, see what happens over there. But, but man, I mean, good on D'Amico Ryan's. If D'Amico Ryan's gets hired and the Niners end up getting that third round pick for getting someone promoted and, and then they also get Vic Fangio, that would be something is all I'm saying. That would be something.
1: Good. Uh, pretty good scenario.
0: Debo Samuel, a line of the backfield on at least 10% of his snaps in nine consecutive games. Since week 10, he ranks fourth in the NFL in rushing yards over, accepted, uh, over expectation among all positions with 135 yards over expectation. The man is good. I don't know that I like the wide back name. It just sounds like someone's derisively calling him fat. Like he he called himself that, right? It's like, what position do you play? A wide receiver, running back, wide back. I get it. It makes sense. It's a natural fit. I just don't know that that is what I would have gone with. Uh,
1: it makes me think of oh my god, I'm like blanking on his name right now. But that the the very large running back for Carolina. I mean, he played for other teams too, but he was with Carolina for a decent clip. Um, was Mike like Tolbert. A, yes. Yep. Rolling
0: ball butcher knives.
1: Yep. That. That's the one. That's what it makes me think of. He was a wide back.
0: (laughs) He was was a wide back. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, And lastly, this is from Ian Harditz from PFF. The 49ers are the NFL's only defense to allow less than one yard before contact per rush attempt on the season. That includes the playoffs. In other words, the 49ers rush defense is good. And I think that's... And that's, uh, and that's, I think, ultimately a good thing for the 49ers. If they can play their defense, play coverage, try to contain Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to stop him, just contain him, maybe get a couple punches on the COVID toe, and then do their thing running the football, they could absolutely win this game. They could go to the NFC Championship game. And if they do end up going to the NFC Championship game, like is there a team, is there a team left that scares you at this point? If they've gone through Green Bay and they've gone through the Cowboys... I mean, the two teams left are Tampa Bay and, uh, and LA. I mean,
1: it seems better if they will have, I mean, that's the thing, like this, this particular 49ers team, when things are going their, their way, right. When they're kind of rolling things around the game script, they need, I mean, they can beat anyone, any team in the NFL, right? Like they, they can beat if they're getting, checking all of those boxes, uh that that they want to have and and so that is is not really the concern it's it's the concern is when the things don't go fully their way right and that's when it starts to break down and and it's like okay and it's it's when we have to rely on the passing game more offensively and it's when you know teams uh can really go after and are willing to attack downfield against the secondary um and, and so i think those are also things that could happen in this game. Right. And and so that's, uh, I think it's tough to say with this team It's just like, which one shows up. If we get the good version, absolutely. They can go in there and win this game.
0: Well, they are, I think five and a half point underdogs, uh, five or five and a half as it is. So definitely not as confident as the betting markets were as, you know, against Cowboys where they were three point underdogs. But I think this is still a very winnable game as long as they can stay on script. and, they got to get Darren Rodgers. That's the key. As long as they play their brand of football, they can win it. And that's and that's you know the season's going to rely on the Niners being the Niners. If they can do it effectively, they have another week. If for some reason it falls apart, at the end of the day, it was still a successful season. It's a good run. Yeah, that's exactly it. It was absolutely it was literally a, a good run, or maybe not. We'll see. And on a dad joke, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. We'll be back on Sunday to talk about however the game ends up. For the 49ers, uh, because David has a race and he wants to run it, you know, he's prioritizing the running over you, and that's okay or the sleep. Oh, true, I, the sleeping. Yeah, I already
1: talked about that. I just want to go to bed after the game. Like, I you don't want to listen to me, I'll be like yawning half the time. It's going to be a miracle if I make it through the game. So, that's where we're at with,
0: with Saturday night. Uh, oh, goodness! Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals David and tell me about the Patreon,
1: patreon.com slash better rivals who knows how much longer the the hot content is going to be coming at you go get in buy a spear it's only five dollars it's going to be fine you got this you know all the stuff that's there at this point we're come on week 20
0: of this season right now you know it go and do it thanks again for tuning in as always go niners